I want to preach to you for just a little while on this topic. I want you to turn around and look at your neighbor's feet, if you would. Just look at their feet. And I want you to, I want you to say this with me. What is on your feet? Would you say that one time? What, what's on your feet? So I, I want to preach to you today on the topic, what's on your feet? And Isaiah 40, verse 1 through 3, New Living Translation. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Israel had turned away from God. They had turned their back on God. God had done everything that he had promised. He'd given them a land that flowed with milk and honey. How many of you have ever noticed in life that too many times we take for granted those things that we have until they're gone? We take for granted that when you get up in the morning and you flip on the switch, the light's going to come on. A few years ago, we got hit with an ice storm and the lights didn't come on for a whole week. <laughs> we had people camping out in our living room because we had a gas, not a gasless, but we had a ventless log fireplace. Does that make sense to you? You know, you, you didn't have to have electricity for it to come on. You just turned the burner on and lit it. And man, I had kids camped out in my living room. We were cooking stew over that. We had an old pot that we got out and was hanging it over that fire and cooking it. And, they, and that was the warmth in the house. We found out that all those candles that we buy come in handy. It was the way that we were finding our way. And I, I learned something in those six or seven days. I learned how accustomed we had become to modern things. I'm sorry. No water either. Oh, I was getting to that. No, no. <laughs> we had, so our, the, the town, the system in the town lost its power. And so we had no water coming into the house. I had to go have a meeting with the mayor, and I asked what his plans were. And he, at that time, I was, I was evangelizing, had been doing relief work. And he said, man, he said, I don't know. You're more familiar with this than I am. And so I started making phone calls, and we got some water brought in. And we're, we're going around. I asked him, get me a list of all the elderly people in this town and where they're at. And so we started going. We loaded up a truck. And, man, our, our, our roads were paved with ice. And I had young teenagers at the, the, well, not young teenagers, but older teenagers at the house and, and uh, some in their 20s. And they, they didn't, some of them had never really driven on ice before. And they said, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And I loaded up my truck and I said, get in. And we got in and man, I'm telling you, <laughs> we went all over town, just slid our way. I had some of those people look at me and said, Brother Rick, I need to get out. <laughs> Sometimes the going isn't always easy, is it? But you've got to keep on going because giving up just isn't an option. You have to keep moving forward. But Israel had taken God for granted, and it ended up with the loss of that promise, but not forever. They went into captivity for 70 years. How many of you are 70 years old in here or more? Wave your hand if you're 70 years old or more. Hold it up. You're, I, I want you to look around. I want you to look around because you're the only ones that would have even had a chance at remembering what it was like before they lost that relationship with God. Can you imagine living out a whole life never knowing his peace? never knowing his love. And so God sends a word through Isaiah 
because there's an entire generation that has never known him. There's an entire generation that has, has no idea what things used to be like. I think about our young people that are growing up today, and I look at things around us and how the culture shift and how the nation has shifted. And part of my heart breaks because they don't know the times of when there was a simple time where you just loved each other, you just loved family, and you, you grew up doing what was right, and you, you grew up not fighting against God but thanking God. Even people that didn't go to church acknowledged him and, 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 and wanted their children to do right. But we've lost something. God's message through Isaiah is not a message of bring down the hammer. It's not a message of destruction. It's a message of hope. He said, comfort my people and speak tenderly to them. They don't know what they've lost. They don't understand everything that, that, that's been taken, but it was passed to them. They knew in their hearing, but they did not know in their heart. Amen. And so as he begins to share that with them, he lets them know that God promises a better day is coming. Hear me, God does not want to destroy us. He wants to redeem us. <laughs> Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He wants to redeem us. Listen to what he says. He says, listen, I hear the voice of someone shouting. Isaiah, through the telescope of prophecy, could hear a voice echoing from the future. Not from the past, but from the future. It was the voice of John. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. A voice bringing hope. A voice speaking a promise. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I thought about that. I thought, how, how do we prepare the way of the Lord? John shouting it. But just shouting it doesn't make it happen. Amen. How many of you have ever had your children shout they wanted something? And that just immediately made you say, oh, I'll go get it right now. No, it made you say, you about to get it right now. <laughs> and so you've got to do more than just shout. You have to act on what he's saying. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And I, I pondered that. How, how do we prepare the way of the Lord in the dawn? We have to prepare our, the way in our hearts. Everybody say, in our heart. Any of you ever been in love? When you're in love... It does something to your heart. I first started dating Debbie. I spoiled her. Is that true? Then she said, it didn't take you long to get over that. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> she didn't say that. And I, I, I'd never really been in love. I'd been in like before. And, you know, there's a difference between... How maybe I ought not say that. I'll go ahead. There, there's a difference between kissing a few lips and really falling in love. I'd kissed a few lips, but I'd never fallen in love. And matter of fact, when I first dated her, I was any of you ever been apprehensive about getting committed? You know what I'm talking about? Really being committed and so I, I gave her my class ring, and I said, look, I know we live a long way off, and I'm going to give you my ring, but you can still date other guys, and I'll date other girls. That's exactly how she looked at me. She, she just, you know, she had that look, and, and I, was, I had an hour and a half to drive home, and 
the, I didn't have a problem thinking about me dating other girls, but when I started thinking about her dating other guys, I didn't like it. So by the time I got home, this is before cell phones, folks, and none of, some of you have not been alive long enough to experience that. Some of you don't even know what a rotary phone is. And so I had to, I, I thought about that, and when, when I got home, the first thing I did, did was call her. And I said, you remember what I told you about you dating other guys and me dating other girls? She said, yeah. I said, well, forget it. I won't finish. Is <laughs> that okay? I told her, and I said, I, I can be violent. In other words, I was going to punch out whoever was. Everybody say, mine, all mine, and nobody else's. You understand that's how God feels about us? God's not partially committed to us. He's not saying, well, you know, look, I'll, I'll come down every, chance, every once in a while and check on you and see how you're doing, but I got other things to do. No, he's committed, and he wants the same in return. Israel wasn't committed. God had done all that for them, and they completely forgot him. And so he took them into captivity not to destroy them, but to redeem them. For 70 years, they would sit in Babylon and lose hope. But he was telling them, your hope isn't gone. Your hope is in me. Their hope was not in a temple. Their hope was not in a city. Their hope was always in God. And anytime we make something more important than God is, we're in trouble. Everybody say, my hope is in God. So we have to prepare our hearts. In Romans 10 and verse 13, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody say, I, it's got to happen here. It's, I've got to call on the Lord. You don't get to call on the Lord for somebody else for their salvation. You understand what I'm talking about? You can pray and ask God to save them, but the bottom line is they're the ones that have to say, God, save me. If I'm saying, God, save my children, that's a prayer request. That isn't a, a substitution for them surrendering their heart to God. They have to surrender. Say it with me. They have to do it. Same way you had to do it. They have to surrender. We have to ask God for ourselves. And this is what the Scripture tells us. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? What's he saying? He's saying, how are they ever going to call on him if they don't believe in him? Now listen to what the next verse says here. The next verse says, and how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? So Paul's saying, look, you're saved if you call on him. But how would you ever call on someone you don't believe in? And how are you able to believe in someone you've never heard about? And he goes on to tell us that how shall, he, he, he tells us then, how shall they hear about, can I put this in plain English for you? You can read it up there. He's saying, so how are you ever going to hear about him without a preacher, without someone telling you? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm called to preach. I'm called, no, say it, I'm called to, see, everybody gets into this thing, well, that's the pastor's responsibility. No, every one of us in this building today have been called upon to preach. Here is where it's verified. They're not going to respond to them that they don't believe in, and they can't believe in someone they've never heard about, and they're never going to hear about him unless somebody tells them about him. And how are you ever going to tell them about him unless you're sent? Everybody say, sent. <laughs> you remember that, that song? I put a letter in the post, or I gave a letter to the postman. He put it in his sack. 
bright and early next morning, I got my letter back. You win the prize. <laughs> Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number, no such zone. What's he saying? He's saying, look, there has to be someone on the receiving end of this. If you send it and they don't receive it, it's out of your hand because you sent it. But if they're waiting for it and it never comes, if they're hungry for something and they don't know what they're hungry for and they never find out because we never share it, my friend, we are responsible for that. And so he's telling Isaiah, think about this. This is hundreds of years before this happens. He tells Isaiah, you comfort my people. You speak tenderly to them and you tell them that there are better days coming because listen, I hear a voice crying. What's he saying? He's saying hundreds of years from now, I'm going to arrange for someone to come and shout it out. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's not going to tell them to prepare a sacrifice or to prepare an offering, but to prepare their heart. Prepare the way of peace. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, watch this line. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Say it with me. The gospel of peace. Not a gospel of works. Not a gospel of commandments. But a gospel of peace. Can I ask you a question? How important is peace in your life? How important? I'm just going to be honest with you. We were, I'm not going to call any names, but we were evangelized. Man, our kids were little. We always guarded peace in our home. We got in a pastor's house, and they had us staying with them. We're in this little room, and all of a sudden, we hear them going at it. And they didn't wait for us to get in the room before they went at it. They would say, I'm going to use fictitious names, okay? Geraldine, I told you not to do. Sam, you're always doing stuff like that. You just make me so mad, dude. Our kids' eyes go like this. They look at Debbie and I there. Go get in our room. <laughs> I couldn't guard the peace in that house, but I could guard the peace in that room. Amen. What is peace worth to you? Nations fight for peace. That's an oxymoron, but it happens. What are you fighting for? We're fighting for peace. Well, if you weren't fighting, wouldn't there be peace? They're fighting for their terms of peace. Not for just peace. Here's the good news. God set the terms for peace. He said, my peace I leave to you, not the peace that the world gives because they fight for it. People would pay a fortune to have peace. Elvis Presley made a statement one time. He'd say, he said, I'd give a million dollars if I could just walk down the street and nobody recognized me. A million dollars. Nobody recognizes me, and I never got a million dollars. <laughs> Do you understand? 
couldn't purchase it. It's not for sale, but you can find it. Peace. How many of you ever uh, put on the wrong kind of shoes? Anybody? You know, what we decide to put on our feet can make all the difference in our journey through life. Did you know that? Now think about this, because Paul tells us in Ephesians to shod your feet with what? Preparation of the gospel of peace. Any of you ever have on shoes that were too tight? How many times have you ever gone, gotten to, at the house at the end of the day and went, oh, man. oh, my feet are killing me. Oh, oh. And everybody else goes, oh. <laughs> feet. What's on your feet? Because what's on your feet make a difference. Let me illustrate it for you. Seasons, but uh -huh. they're still really cool. Yeah, they are. I agree. They're cool. I know, but don't feel bad. They wouldn't look good on you. You couldn't wear them. I'm what really mean, sorry. What do you mean I couldn't wear them? I mean, you got to be able to pull it off. I just don't think you can. What? Sorry, but thanks. I'm glad you like them. Oh. Have a good day. Oh. See you. Yeah, you, you too. Some people wear patronizing shoes. They always talk down to you. They always make you feel like you're not good enough, that you can't do it. You could never pull it off. There are people that wear other types of shoes as well. Oh, hi, partner. Hey there, buddy. Hey, those are... Those are some cool boots you got there. Oh, yeah. You know how much cattle I had to sell to get these shoes? <laughs> no? Yeah. I don't know, buddy. Well, they, they look nice. I don't like know about you, though. You probably don't even know the difference between a steer and a heifer. I don't know. I, I don't I think don't you, you're cut out for these shoes. Sorry, buddy. Sorry. Sorry. Some people carry the shoes of criticism. And so the only thing they know how to do is criticize others. I want you to understand that words can have a tremendous impact on your life. And if you're not careful, if you start buying in to what everybody is saying about you, your journey is going to be miserable. I shared with you on several occasions about a young man that could not get a job. He was, in a, he was a sharp guy. He was intelligent, had it together, looked like he had it together. He could not get a job. His pastor, you know, was always trying to encourage him to get a job, and he had another interview, and he went for the interview, and he came back and didn't get the job. And his pastor set him down, and he said, Steve, I want you to tell me exactly what happened today. I want you to trace your steps and tell me what happened? He couldn't figure out why this kid couldn't get a job. And he said, Pastor, he said, I got up this morning. He said, I, I put on my suit and tie. And he said, I, I went downtown and, and went to the office where the applicants were. And I sat down and I waited my turn. And as I was sitting there and I was looking, I, I heard the voice of my father. The pastor looked at him kind of strange and he said pastor he said you need to understand something he said when I was a little boy he said my dad was a top mechanic he said when I was a little boy he used to take me to his shop with him and he said he wanted nothing more than for me to be a mechanic like he was and he he said I remember one day he was under the car on his creeper and he asked me for a specific tool and he said and I I brought the wrong tool he said I was five years old. 
I handed the wrong tool and he slid out from underneath that car on that creeper. He took that tool, threw it across the shop and looked at me and he said, you're so stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. He said, I heard my father's voice while I was sitting in that office and I knew I couldn't have that job so I got up and left before they ever interviewed me. That pastor looked at that young man and he said, Steve, you are not who your earthly father said you are. You are who your heavenly father said you are. Steve, you're more than enough. You've got what it takes. You're more than able. Do you hear what I'm telling you, young man? You are able. Steve got a hold of something and he went back downtown he got that job and he started to excel why because somebody finally spoke life to him he finally got on some shoes that were ordained of God Amen. if we're not careful we just keep looking and listening to the wrong voices but there is a voice out there for you These shoes are great. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen shoes like those before. These shoes are like the gospel of peace. Try them. You'll love them. They'll bring you peace. Give them a hand, would you? <laughs> those are whosoever will shoes. Those are shoes that are made with you in mind. I've never had a pair of tailor-made shoes. Closest I ever came to trying to pair on was I was traveling in Arkansas, man, in the, some obscure town in Arkansas in a little town, and there was this Florsham shoe shop, and I went in there, and they had a pair of shoes, and they were dress shoes, and I slid those shoes on, and I thought, what in the world? It, it felt like a glove on my feet. And I, I started looking at those shoes, and those shoes had no hard sole. It was leather all the way around. I'd never seen a shoe like that. And I asked them, I said, I, I don't understand. Doesn't this get tore up if you go out on gravel or something? They said, no, those shoes are made specifically for people that work in offices. So when they get to the office, they take off the shoes they wore there. They put these on and those shoes just hold their feet and kind of massage them all day long. Do you know that God, when he prepared that set of shoes for you, he prepared them with you in mind as an individual it's not just one size fits all it's God knows every size every person every shape every character every trait he's got a work that he's called you to do and he says hey come on I've got what you've been looking for somebody say it with me what's that on your feet I love those shoes Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that mean? I mean, what does that mean? Have your, have your feet wrapped with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, the word gospel there in Greek means good news. Everybody say good news. The word peace there means to join, to rest. It means quietness, prosperity, to set at one again. So when you put it together, this is what God is saying to us. It means we are prepared to carry the good news that Jesus wants to join us to God and set us at one again, give us peace, rest, and prosperity. And that, my friend, can change the world. How many of you ready for that kind of shoe, for that kind of peace? I want to share with you. Somebody said, well, that stuff doesn't really happen. Yes, it does. 
It still happens when you're willing, willing to carry it. If somebody's thirsty and you've got water for them, what's the only thing that's keeping them from experiencing the water? You taking it to them, you carrying it. They're ready for it, but somebody's got to carry it. How can they believe if they haven't heard? Somebody's got to carry it. In 1908, a newly commissioned missionary couple, John and Jesse Perkins, were on board a steamship rounding the coast of Liberia. They knew that God had called them to Africa, but like Abraham, they didn't exactly know where God wanted them to go. So they purchased tickets and trusted that God would tell them where to get off that boat. As the ship made its way around a place called Garraway Point, they sensed the Holy Spirit was prompting them to get off the ship. What the Perkins didn't know was that there was a young man living in that region named Jasper Toe. Everybody say Jasper. Jasper was a God-fearing man that practiced the religious rites of his ancestors, but he'd never heard of Jesus. One night he looked into the sky and prayed a simple prayer. Jasper prayed, if there's a God in heaven, help me find you. As Jasper stood that night under the stars, he heard a voice speak to him that he'd never heard before. And the voice said, Jasper, go to Garraway Beach. Listen carefully to what the voice said. You will see a box on the water with smoke coming out of it. And from that box on the water will come some people in a small box. These people in a small box will tell you how to find me. Jasper traveled seven days on foot to Garraway Beach and arrived there on Christmas Day, 1908. From shore, he saw a black box, a steamship, in the distance with smoke coming out. And that's when John Perkins and his wife sensed the Holy Spirit telling them to get off the ship here. This is where I want you to go. They went to the captain and asked him, said, Captain, we need to get off the ship. The captain said, I can't let you off the ship here. He said, these islands are infested with cannibals. People that go on shore here never are seen again. He said, I can't let you off the ship here. He said, you... You've got to. You've got to let me off the ship. We're, we're supposed to get off the ship here. You've got to let us off. And after some back and forth, the captain finally said, okay, okay. And they hooked them up in what they called like a mama chair. And they, they strapped this missionary couple in it with their belongings. And they hoisted them out over the steamship and let them down in a canoe. And when they let them down in the canoe, they started paddling towards shore. <laughs> And when they were paddling towards shore, Jasper heard the Lord say, there's the small box with the people that will tell you about me. They got on to shore. Problem was, is they didn't speak the same language. They got off on shore and the Perkins saw Jasper and Jasper motioned for him and they followed him seven days back to his village. <laughs> After a while, they learned the language of the people. They built the first church that village had ever seen, and Jasper Toe was the first convert. Now hear me. And Jasper Toe became known as one of the most God-fearing men anyone had ever seen. And his legacy is that he has helped to establish hundreds of churches through the nation of Liberia, all because somebody prepared themselves to share a gospel of peace. How about it, folks? Are you ready to share it? 
Did somebody share it with you? Did somebody ever tell you about Jesus? Look at your feet one more time. Just look at your feet and ask yourself this question. What is on my feet? Do I criticize people? Do I patronize people? Do I walk away from people? Do I ignore people? Or do I try and seize every opportunity I have? The other night, what night was that? Saturday morning, we, we came in Friday night, Saturday morning, about 1.30 in the morning, the doorbell started ringing here at the church. And I thought, who in the world is ringing that doorbell? And, and Debbie said, the doorbell, I didn't even hear it at first. And Debbie said, I think the doorbell's ringing. I heard it ring again. Man, it's pouring down rain outside. It's cold outside. And I'm thinking, who in the world? And I'm trying to get dressed and I, I, I walk around because I'm thinking, well, maybe somebody's ringing that doorbell to try and find out if anybody's here because they're getting ready to try and break in or they're, they're going to try and, you know, get in the vehicles. And I'm walking around, you know, checking it out and looking, you know, machete in my hand, word of God. <laughs> Walk softly and carry a big knife. And I walked and I looked through the doors and I didn't see anybody out the door. And I came around to that door and I didn't see anybody at first. And then I, I saw her. Leaned against the church under the pavilion to keep from, or under the awning to keep from getting wet. Suitcase beside her. Blood all over her face. And I opened the door and I said, are you all right? She said, I, I was thrown out my aunt's house. She, I said, what happened to you? She said, she hit me, made me leave. She took my inhaler from me. She's got my medications. Could I come in and change my diaper? I said, come on in. And I said, I'm going to get my wife. And found out she'd been in the system since she was seven years old, used and abused to the point that it messed up her bladder and her bodily functions, and she had to wear a diaper. And Debbie put her arms around her and held her, and I watched that girl melt into her arms. I said, I need to call the police. I said, because you've been assaulted. She said, that's okay. She had nothing to hide. The police came and heard her story, and there was no room for her in the inn, the Samaritan inn. We took her down to the hotel, and Put her in the hotel. It was freezing outside. She never asked for anything. She just didn't know what to do. And we were able to pray with her and show her some shoes that are available if you just put them on. Aren't you glad somebody showed those shoes to you? Would you stand with me? Amen. We're in the midst of a season that's known for its glad tidings. The angel spoke and said, don't be afraid. I got some good news for you. Great joy to all people. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You'd be surprised how many people you encounter past the smile or hurting inside. We have an opportunity to judge them, criticize them, patronize them, or try and rescue them. 
We can't do it without Him. I've got no peace to offer you that belongs to me. But the good news is, I'm related to the Prince of Peace. <laughs> He's got all the peace you need. And all you've got to do is say, here I am, God. So I want to do two things in here this morning before we leave. First, I want to give an invitation to you. You may have come to church all your life and never slipped on those shoes. Never said yes to Jesus. You just keep wearing the same ones you came in. You've never led him into your heart. How, how do we prepare the way for the Lord? You prepare your heart and you invite him in. And so if you're in this place today and you've never done that, I want to invite you right now to just come to the front with me and it'd be my greatest joy to help you change your shoes today. I'm going to wait for just a moment to know peace. You'll see it on church signs. No peace, K-N-O-W, no peace. Or, I'm sorry, it says no Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W. Below the sign it says no peace, N-O, no Jesus, no peace. If we don't have Jesus in our hearts, we're not going to find peace in our lives. I want you to join with me today. There are those that are listening by radio and watching online all across, not just this nation, but in other countries. You never know how God will use this and where it will go. But wherever it goes, and if you're hearing it right now, you need to understand that God's speaking to you. And he's got something that he wants to impart to you, a brand new pair of shoes. Put on the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me right now as we pray together? Father, we thank you that you're right there for us today. God, we pray with those that are accepting you and just ask you to repeat this prayer with us. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my heart right now. I'm taking off these old shoes I've been wearing. I'm tired of my old way of life. I'm tired of the strife and the pain. And I want to know you. I want to know that peace. I want to know joy. So I ask you into my heart right now. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on sin and I open my arms towards you and say, here I am, Jesus, save me. I believe that you rose from the dead. I accept you right now as my Lord and Savior. And I give you praise for all you're doing for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you give me a hand clap of praise today? Ariana's been, I got that name right then. Ariana's been on a long journey. It's been Debbie and I's greatest joy to watch that journey. I keep seeing her drawing closer and closer all the time. Today, we're changing shoes. <laughs> Today, it's a new day for Ariana. It's a day that peace fills her heart because Christ has already knocked on the door. And she's opening it to him right now. Would you pray this with me, Ariana? Dear Jesus, I accept you. It's my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on my old way of life. Today, I take off my old shoes. And I thank you for these new shoes. I praise you for them right now. I say yes to you. I thank you.
I want you to know that right now in heaven, angels are rejoicing. Ariana, you might say, it can't be that easy. It wasn't easy for him. He paid a great price, but when he paid that price, he saw you. And he said, Ariana, I love you so much. I'm going to lay my life down so you can find your life in me. It's a brand new day for you today. Go ahead and thank him for it. Just go ahead and praise him for it. You don't have to. No more fear in your life. No more turmoil in your heart. But it's a brand new day in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise for her. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I know you couldn't see her face, but I could, and her face said it all. God is a good God. He's a God that's real, and he's a God that's able. So now, here's the second part of this, and we're going to end with this today. You're in this place, and you're saying, I want, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now, Ariana, here's the good news. Now that you've said yes to him, you get to bring other people to him. It's kind of like all of a sudden, you know, you won the lottery, you know, and, and you got, and you, you've been blessed beyond measure. And so you go and tell everybody else, you know, and, and they go, but what if they don't want to hear it? Tell them anyway. Tell them anyway. I, that sooner or later, those same people that don't want to hear it will end up coming to you and they'll say, I've got to find out about this Jesus you're talking about because I want the joy that you've got. I want the smile on my face that you've got on your face and I want to know how to do it. How many of you ready to do that? Anybody in this house? All right, this is what we're going to do. Everybody just, just take a step forward if you would. You don't have to come all the way up, but those that can move forward, those that can't just step out. Come on forward, don't, don't run now. Move quick, come on, move quick. Come forward. Do you understand that the great, don't talk to me about you loving somebody if you won't share Jesus with them. I don't mean to be crude or rude or brash, but that's just not true. If you love someone and you withhold from them, the only hope they have, that, my friend, isn't love. Well, what if they don't hear me? What if they do hear you? You've got to get over yourself. You've got to get over the fear of being rejected. And you've got to say, you know what? He's been so good to me. i got to tell everybody about him. I've I got to tell everybody about him. Run up here, Ron. Come up here real quick. Hurry. Run. That's running for Ron. Okay. You know, Ron came to the church. How many years ago has it been? 18 months. 18 months. 18 months ago, Ron came to the church, and he told me, he, got, he stopped me, he said, Pastor, he said, I came to this church. He said, I didn't have anything, man. I had absolutely nothing. But you know what he did? He opened his heart up to Jesus. Do you remember what that word peace means? It means rest. It means quietness. It means prosper. And now he's got his own business going on. God's blessed him. He tells me all the time, he said, God's blessed me beyond measure. And this is what he says, I know it's because of him. It is. Amen. It is. Don't you understand what he's offering you? He's offering you not just a brand new life. He's offering you the opportunity to empower other lives. There's only one thing better than going to heaven, and that's taking somebody with you. How many of you are ready to do that? If you are, stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Right now. Come on, hold them up. I want you to say this with me. God, I'm asking you to use me for your glory. Give me courage. Give me boldness. So I won't be afraid to share with others what you've done for me. All I know how to do, God, is be me. So I'm asking you to make me the best me I can be for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of praise. I believe with all my heart that God is going to use you this season. I'm not talking about 
way in the future. I'm talking about like today, like this week. God is going to use you, so look for the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Debbie a lot of times goes shopping because she feels the need to tell somebody about Jesus. Now, ladies, if you use that as an excuse, you better tell somebody about Jesus. But she'll, she'll go in, and, and I've seen it happen over and over. And a lot of times, I've, I've, you know, and I've shared with you, sometimes it's like, God, I want to do that. I want to do that. I'd start following somebody around in Walmart, and then I realized they were going to call the cops on me. So I just, you can't be someone else. You just have to be the best you you can be. I'm not Debbie. But then again, she's not me. But if we come together and we unite together, I'm telling you, one can set a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand. So when we join together, everybody say, you're on my team. Come on, say it. You're on my team. You're on my team. We're working together for the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, right now, every devil in Murfreesboro is about to have a nervous breakdown. Raise your hands one more time and say, here we are, God. Use us for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Now, they're going to come and sing. Have you, you got your song? They're going to come and sing. As, as, as you're getting ready to go out, let me pronounce this blessing over you today as we dismiss. May God cause his face to shine upon you in such a unique way that when people see you, they see him. May you feel his love well up in your heart in such a powerful way that you find yourself saying, I got to tell somebody about what God's done for me. May you see your family's hearts turn toward him and those things that you've been praying for come to pass in this season. May you experience the power of an ever-living, ever-loving, ever-powerful God that's going to keep you, lead you, and guide you in Jesus' name. God bless you today. We love you.